Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again, whatever time of day it is, wherever you may be listening in the world, welcome to lucky episode number 13 of the Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit podcast. As always, my name's Nick Stevenson, Chris Clark's in the building. What's going on, fella? Living the dream, brother. Let me give you a mic first. <laughs> awesome. I'm extremely proud to introduce you guys to a very good friend of mine, Keisha Lot Wells. How are you doing, ma'am? I am well. It is good to have you here. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. It's been a long time. About 13 years. It's, 13 years. Yeah. Wow. Just about. Wow. Because Maddie, yeah, wow. Maddie, Maddie was just a little thing last time I saw you. And um, <laughs> let me tell you something about Keisha. I'm going to give a little background. <laughs> Of how we how we came into each other's lives, I've talked a lot about what I went through going through my first divorce mm-hmm. and the struggles that I faced dealing with that. I've tried to be really open and honest about that. So one of the things that had to happen to me in the course of my life is I needed to be humbled a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go back to about 2008. Okay, I'm fresh out of a divorce. I've Dealt with some mental health issues, as I've documented in here before. And my mother, at the same time, got cancer. Mm-hmm. So I resigned from the job that I was doing for the phone company at the time. And I moved my way down to Lamarck, Texas City. And I was still struggling a little bit, but I was trying to make that come up. Yeah. Now, I got to do something to make a living, right? Through that process, what I found was is that I wasn't going to be able to find anything similar to what I had been doing. Mm-hmm. So I went... To the local McDonald's on the corner uh, from where I lived. It was within walking distance because I don't even remember if I had a vehicle at the time. I was rock bottom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was started from the bottom. Now we're here. That's, that's where I was at. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, and this is something that happens often, there's a lot of people who would look at a job at McDonald's and look down on that. Like, of right. course. Oh, man. I'm taking a step back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing something that I never felt like I should have done. But I put on a suit. I didn't put mm-hmm. on a suit. Did I put on a suit? You were clean. I had a tie. Yeah, he was I, clean. I put on a tie. Typical, I walked in there. Typical Nick fashion. Yes, yes. I had, I, I had I the shiny. That 100%. I, I put the shiny shoes on. You uh-huh. know, yes, I was going to show them that I was serious about this. Okay. Even though I have to be honest, man, there was a part of me in the back of my mind that's like, I can't believe I'm going to McDonald's mm-hmm. looking for a job. Of course. Well, I walk in. And here, standing before me, is a woman dressed just as clean as me. Okay. Okay. She's got, you know, she's got the McDonald's uniform on, but she's got the what's the tie. little the little tie or the, okay. the little okay. scarf that goes with it. Uh-huh. You know, hair done. Got the nail. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, this is this is real. Yeah. So we have this interview, and I try to present my best self, even though I'm going to be honest with you, I was not my best self uh-huh. <laughs> at that time in my life. And Keisha saw something in me that potential that maybe I hadn't even realized yet. So she brings me on, and I'm a shift manager there. Okay. Okay. It's really, like I said, it's really easy to look down. Oh, I'm working at McDonald's. If you are frustrated with McDonald's when you go in there, that's because a lot of folks don't run it the way it's supposed to be run. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of people now. do not run that thing like it's supposed to be. Yeah. Let me tell you about Miss Keisha. 
That's what I know her as. That's what everybody called her, Miss Keisha. Uh-huh. You didn't call her out of any other name but yeah. Miss Keisha, yeah. right? She ran that place like it was a Fortune 500 company. Meticulous, every detail, nothing was missed. So I'm, I'm just, just going to stop you there for a go second. Go for it. Nick told me this story in the truck yesterday. Not yesterday, a couple days ago. Yeah, a few days ago. And I'm looking at this dude like he's crazy. <laughs> like, he, th- those were his exact words. She ran McDonald's like a Fortune 500 company. Thanks. Like, took so much pride. Mm-hmm. And that was the about the only thing that I've heard of you. And I was like, I am so excited to meet this person. Because <laughs> if you know Chris... That's that's his jam. This yeah. is the hype gorilla right here. Yeah. He is about going I, 100 I, on, on everything. everything. On everything. Yes. <laughs> on I, everything. It don't matter what it is. Yeah. I'm going to let you look at his backyard later, and that'll be <laughs> the perfect testament. You've been doing that for, what, two months? Yeah. And yep. this dude is always busy and moving and doing something, and that's why I needed somebody like him in my life. And so that's that's what I was presented when I first got there. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, man, I was going through stuff, and I would bring... I would bring what was going on at home to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Keisha would see me and be like, yo, where's that person I saw in the interview? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where's yes. that at? Because yeah. that's, I know that, that that is your potential. That's what's in you. And I was just struggling at the time, man. And I told him this story. I'm never going to forget this. <laughs> Keisha loved when it got busy. That was, <laughs> that was when, that was when it was ready. Yeah. She'd be standing up front and she's dancing. She's like, she's ready to go. <laughs> and we getting this stuff. We're moving all this food out yeah. there. You know, there could be, 20 deep in the in the drive-thru, about 40 deep in the lobby. She didn't care. We yeah. was getting it done, right? Uh-huh. And I'm being my Nick self that day, uh-huh. dragging, <laughs> getting frustrated. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, in the middle of the most busy time you can think of, uh-huh. she goes, Nick, stop. Come with me. <laughs> I don't remember who you grabbed. It might have been your sister. Like, hey, come take care of this line real quick. She's like, Nick, come with me. Bro, we go outside. <laughs> There's a table sitting where the yeah. drive-thru lets out. Uh-huh. We go outside. She's like, come here, sit down. And she grabs both my hands, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and she starts praying. Yeah. And she's, bro, she, I mean, she's testifying, right? And uh-huh. she, she, just, she starts praying over me. She she knew something needed to shift, of right? Of course, yeah. So she says a prayer, and I'm look, like, at first I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to what she's saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't believe we're doing this in the drive-thru right now. <laughs> but, hey, Keisha did not care. Okay. yeah. yeah. So she finished praying. She looks up at me and she's like, you good? <laughs> she's like, all right, let's go do this. And I was like, snap. From that, yeah, and from that time, I was like, okay, I got to do, I got to handle my business of now, course, right? Of course. Yeah. But that's just how Keisha was. She was always right. positive, motivational. It's incredible. You know, if you were slipping up, she was going to tell you. And I just knew Keisha and that's what I want to get into because when I'm working there and even though I was going through everything I was going through, I was like, Keisha's built for something other than this. Wow. This ain't what she was built for. I mean, you're doing a wonderful job. Don't get me wrong. And you were handling your business. But I was like, this woman was built to do something else than yeah. run a McDonald's. Yeah. That's for damn sure. How long were you there together? Uh, almost two years. Mm-hmm. It was about wow. two years. Yeah. I want to tell this story, too, because I eventually ended up going back to the phone company. Yep. He sure did. And uh, <laughs> once I found out that I was going back, <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I started slipping. Well, uh, <laughs> I started slipping. You did. And I didn't tell her yet because I was waiting to put in a two-week notice. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So I'm about like a week from putting in a two-week notice. And Keisha's like, yo, nigga, I got to talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. She's like, uh, we go in the little toy, in the little play area. Uh-huh. She's like, I'm letting you go. And I was like, wait a minute, Keisha. I was like, hold up, hold up. I was like, okay. I was like, look, Keisha, I was going to put in a two-week notice in a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
is it okay if you just let me resign? And she's like, no, I'm firing you. <laughs> she's like, but I love you. You're going to be good. It was. Like, we talked for like 20 minutes and uh-huh. we laughed and it was a, you know, you always have to have a person with you. Of when course. You yeah, yeah, terminate. Yeah. When they left, when Nick left, the person that was with me was like, I hope if I ever get fired, I get fired that way. Because yeah. <laughs> like, we laughed and we joked. We was cool. yeah. It was right. cool. Yeah. It, was, it was business. Yeah. She was like, yeah. She's like, I already knew you was probably leaving because I could, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I could, I was slipping. Of course. You know, I probably called out a couple of times. She's like, yeah, I'm going to have to let you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, you going to let me resign? <laughs> no, I'm firing you. You know, I had to fire him. That's awesome. Oh, man. But that experience was a part of my growth. Like, I, I tell people all the time. Keisha, you're only like two years older than me, mm-hmm. but you had had so much life and experience up to that point that I hadn't experienced yet. I told Keisha the other day, there's two people who are in my age range that I look up to. Uh-huh. My wife, and she's the another one, man, because yeah. I just saw the passion and the work and the effort. And even though there were, you were going through stuff yep. at that time in your life. And the difference between me and her is when she walked in that building, you would not have a clue yeah. that she was going through anything that she was going through. Wow. I think that's why, like I said, you were built to do something else. And I always knew when we parted ways that that was not your mission in life. You was going to move on to do bigger things. And so that's what I want to talk about. So after you left, because I'm sure you felt the same thing, like this, this is not my final spot. You knew it was a, a springboard towards something else. Eventually I did. Right. At the time, I just needed a job. Yeah, of course. You know? right. And then when you have a job, I believe whatever you do, you need to give your all, like uh-huh. you say you are. So yeah. I just gave my all to it, and it ended up working out for me. So I didn't know that it was something different. I actually ended up doing something different through my current husband. Okay. Because he um, he saw the same thing. He was like, when he married me, he, I was working at McDonald's. I yeah. was a manager, store manager. But he was like, that's cool, but my wife ain't no manager. Yeah. But he never told me that. Yeah. Once I started progressing and getting a different opportunity, and I got an opportunity from working at McDonald's, somebody came in, a district manager over a corporation, saw me working. Yeah, really? And he sold me. That's how I left McDonald's. (laughs) Wow. He saw me. That's incredible. If if you would have been there to witness it, bro, like, (laughs) you was getting your food on time and it was fresh. With no attitude. Yeah. (laughs) With no attitude. That's my problem with McDonald's now. It's like, I didn't run it like that. What is yeah, wrong with yeah, y'all? Yeah, yeah. Because Keisha was probably the only person in that building who deep down inside probably wasn't thinking less of this job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like know. Keisha, she took pride in everything that she did down to sweeping the parking lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, everything. It's incredible. So when I was working with you at McDonald's, I remember you wanted to start a record label. Yes. And you were supposed to be a part of it. Yes. And he was. I was going through some some stuff. I wrote a few songs because this is this mm-hmm. is what the plan was. Keisha always wanted to help young people. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, she's a woman of faith. Uh-huh. That's a large part of everything that she does. She's like, you know, young kids are not really listening to to gospel music because it's it's old, it's boring. It's boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, so let's bring the young kids something. That's more like the stuff they like to listen to. Yeah. This was in 2008, 2009. Yeah, okay, there's like a gospel hip-hop station on the radio Exactly. Now. But we, we already knew. <laughs> we already knew. This was not even a thought. Yeah. Nope. And I, when I heard that that station existed, I text Keisha. I'm like, man, you was ahead of your time. Yeah. Because that, that station is popping now. Like, at the time, there was nothing like it. Yeah. Right. And this is the vision that she had. I want to bring people gospel music, but in a way that young kids can get into yeah, of course, it. And they can course. start building morals and stuff like that. Exactly. So that was what 
her original plan was. So we put together a group mm-hmm. of in- young individuals. We were writing songs. And then I figured out at some point I was not going to be able to be a part of it because of everything I had going on. Yeah. So I said, I told Keisha and she was, she was disappointed at the time. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to be able to be a part of this. Let me give you the songs I've written. If anything happens with them, just make sure my name's on it and yeah. I, don't, right. I don't need anything else from you. And I don't know if you actually used the material that I gave you at that time, but I don't know that anybody else had the same passion for it that you had. So right. it ended up spinning off into what you're doing now. So exactly. let's talk about what you are doing now. Your company is Dynamic Lyrics? Dynamic Lyrics. Okay. And what is Dynamic Lyrics all about? Well, Dynamic Lyrics, the definition of dynamic is a force that stimulates change. Mm-hmm. So I use my lyrics to stimulate change. Right. Stimulate a change of thought process. Okay. Because okay. nobody can change a person. Of course. But if you sow a seed, it can may trigger a change in the way you're thinking. Yeah. And if you change the way you think, you can change your life. Of course. And so that's what Dynamic Lyrics is about. And so I use it um, in different aspects. Poetry, okay. book writing, okay. motivational speaking, songwriting. Anything that has to do with words is under my umbrella. Right. Wow. Okay. Which is not a surprise. Like I said, if you know Keisha, yeah. she's going to speak her truth. Yeah, yeah. I am. I, that's one thing I'm very grateful for, that I've always felt comfortable in being uh-huh. my truth. Right. Whether it was the wrong truth or of the course. right truth. Yeah. I've always been comfortable in being that. And that's what happened with our group. As he was saying, it was supposed to be a bunch of us. Young, mm-hmm. We was like in our 20s. We were young. 25. Yeah. We were young. We was uh-huh. in our 20s when this happened. And then we yeah. had your other, the other people that was part of it. It was like 18, 19. And People? like you said, yeah. okay. that was part of the okay. um, the original gotcha. vision. Okay. But we all had our own path and mm-hmm. everybody went their own way. I was supposed to do this. Right. I was okay. supposed to do this when it come down to lyrics. Gotcha. But, I didn't, but honestly, I didn't have enough confidence in my own self mm-hmm. to be able to do it by myself. Okay. So I was like, I need all of y'all. Y'all come <laughs> help me. Come help me do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and then they're gifted. They're talented. Um. I don't know if you still sing, but I've, have you ever heard him sing? He is incredible. Oh, I, yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, like every time he gets on, he'll put a clip on the. Saturday. I bet he do. But hey, that's that's Nick singing. Like that's Nick singing right there. I mean, yeah. he's singing at work. Yeah, yeah. You know? Always, always had a passion for it. Yeah. Yes. And so it's very telling what you just said, though, because everybody had their own path, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't my time. As much as I wanted to make it happen. It wasn't my time. You know, I talked about early when we started this podcast. I'm a person who gets a lot of self-doubt. Yes. and We all do. Yeah, all of us do. And my self-doubt at that time was limiting my belief that I was going to be able to create what your vision was. And so, and this is the first time I've actually heard you say, like, I had self-doubt. I needed y'all too because yeah. the person I see before me I would have never thought that I'd have never thought oh Keisha needs yeah. us Keisha was like the anchor she was what we was all holding on to like yeah. we would go to her house yeah. and, and arrange all of this stuff and she was she was the engine that uh-huh. ran everything so it's funny that you say that now because I'd have never thought that yeah. and that's that's crazy because <laughs> that's a lot of misconception a lot of people have just because a person is strong doesn't mean they don't need people of course right yeah. and so my even though I had this big old vision just like with you guys, you still need each other. Of right. And so, and for me, my self doubt was I was looking at everybody else's talents and gifts, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm the manager, mm-hmm. so let me let them do their thing. That's right. A, that's know. exactly how I operate. Yeah, you know. I, I, so I have I have three different endeavors. We have an air filter subscription service. My brother runs the technical side of it. I know the filters. I know the products. I know the manufacturing and distribution side of it. Right. But he run I, as far as like technicalities and stuff like that. 
That's all him. Exactly. I don't know anything about it. And with our coffee company, we have five people who delegate, you know, different different tasks to. I, I personally couldn't do everything all at one time and, right. and run three different endeavors. Like with, with this. Right. I'll tell Nick every single time we do this, he's like, guess who else is in the building? I'm like, dude, you're, you're giving me way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I show up at your house, sit my butt in this chair, and talk to you for an hour. As far yeah. as like this goes, man, this is 90% Nick and 10% Chris. Awesome. Like what I'm what I'm trying to do with this, Keisha, and don't let Chris minimize his role on this show. I, I know exactly what he's saying. I, yeah, I, I, but, I got it. I got it. <laughs> but what I've tried to do with this is realize that potential that I knew that I had, the potential you saw in me, that I just needed to I needed to let come out. Exactly. I've always had a creative bone in my body. Exactly. You know this. Exactly. And it was always a question of how am I going to utilize it to the best of my ability and make my imprint on this world. Right. Which is the same thing what I did. It's yeah. the same principle. I thought it was a record label. Mm-hmm. No. My imprint is dynamic lyrics. You yeah. Your imprint is the podcast. Yeah. Right. Your imprint is managing. Yeah. You know, so all of us, we have our place. And yeah. once we find our element, yeah. we're unstoppable. Yeah. And that's course. why so many things are happening for me now because mm-hmm. I'm flowing in my element. Yeah. Right. Of course. You know, so yeah. it is. Okay. What it is. So you are a woman of many hats. You own this dynamic lyrics. You've also an author. Right. Uh, I think what, on our, we said your bio would be an author, a poet, a motivational speaker. And a loving mother and wife, which that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. my peeps. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit what all that entails and what you do. So you have the dynamic lyrics, but you've also written four books. Yes. Technically four books. Three of them are in circulation. Yes. Okay. And your first book was a learning experience. Yes. Yeah. I'm not even going to mention it by name, but you tell the audience what you're young experience in this whole game taught you about the process of book writing and publishing right anything with your art especially in this culture Mm -hmm. don't take the first deal never okay art don't take the deal in desperation right because when you're desperate you'll do anything of course yeah and so when i wrote my first book it was fresh out of divorce i was trying to understand and that's why I understood, you know, what you was yeah. going through because I have, I was going fresh out of divorce. Yeah. And I wanted to understand why did our marriage fail. Mm-hmm. Not from the aspect of what he did wrong, what I did wrong. Of course. Because right. I believed I was supposed to be married. So right. if, when I got married again, I didn't want to be divorced. Of course. So I did my research. Mm-hmm. I began to research and ask men, mm-hmm. like, why do y'all cheat? Why did this happen? How do you yeah. feel when your woman talked to you a certain way? Mm-hmm. And men told me their honest truth. Who am I? I wasn't nobody they were sleeping with yeah. or their wives. So they yeah. were able to tell me the truth. Right. So I wrote a book based off that. And in the book, I gave the pers- I, t- I took a woman's voice, but gave the perspective of how men feel when we treat them a certain way. Okay. Right. And how it can end up in okay. a divorce. And and I remember dedicating my book to my ex-husband. I just said, hopefully that people will read our book. And learn from it. Yeah. And yeah. then their marriage be successful. Well, after after writing the book, I ended up leaving McDonald's due mm-hmm. to circumstances. So I was in a financial crisis. So the minute a publishing company gave me an offer, I took it. Yeah. Now, Worst they, thing in the world. Did they be. reach out to you or did you reach out to them? A little bit of both. You okay. know, I did my research, sent yeah. my manuscript. Once okay. they right. saw it, they was like, oh, we want it. And okay. yeah, they wanted it. They wanted it. And they got like. 75, 80% of royalties. Man. Exactly. What? Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wasn't thinking. All I'm thinking is, 
you want to get this book out I, there. I got my book published. I'm <laughs> yeah. author. Yay. And then I was selling and I was selling and I was doing these little book oh. signings and things. And then yeah. I was never getting a royalty check. And once I once I found out why, that's when I found out. And so I stopped it. Wow. So mm-hmm. that was your first experience. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes me yeah. want to vomit. Do your research. And I, so. Do your research. Th- that's why we're not even going to mention the name of the book. Yeah, I, I want, wouldn't give them a die. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want. Because <laughs> apparently it's still in circulation. But yes. she's not getting what she should be getting off of. I don't know. I hope somebody hears that on this podcast who can help you out with that. Because there's got to be some. Oh, my contract is up. So oh, I is? can republish the book if I want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, so okay. My, that was years ago. Because okay. my contract was for seven years. But for that seven-year period, okay. I And you never not, saw a dime from this? Never. Wow. How, I don't even understand how that's a thing. Like, how can they... How is that legal? How can they do the that? The way they um, formed the contract. Yeah, you got to read the, the small print, mm-hmm. apparently. Ooh, and that's, so. what, mm-hmm, that's what a lot of artists go through even now, like the ones that sign even record deals. Yeah. They get like the short end of the stick because they're not reading the fine print. Because yeah. I'm a man of great patience. But <laughs> let me tell you something. Something like that was to happen to me. Oh, yeah. I'd be going crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, Don't play with Chris's money. No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mad. I was yeah. mad. Uh, that makes me want to throw up. But yeah, but it taught me a valuable lesson. Uh-huh. Never do anything in desperation. Of yes. course. I don't care how bad it is. Yeah. Wait. Right. Chill, rethink, ask for advice. Yeah. Do not do nothing in desperation. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. Now, it's amazing because that experience, it taught you something, but it didn't scare you away from still trying to get your message out there. Not at all. I hope if you if you get a chance to republish that book, I want you to come on and talk about it because it will. sounds fascinating. I will. It sounds fascinating. So that didn't scare you away from writing, though. Let's talk about the next, your actual books that are in circulation now. Um, what did that experience teach you and what did you want to accomplish with your next set of books? Well, with my next set of books, I decided I've always wanted to tell my story. Uh-huh. And I wanted to tell the story of teenagers because mm-hmm. teenagers get a bad rep. And, yeah. and, and it's not fair. And I, that's just my heart desire. Mm-hmm. I mean, my heart belief that it is not fair, the, desi- the, the stigma that comes with being a young generation. Yeah. They do not have it together. They're not supposed to. We're supposed to teach them. Of course. Right. And so I, you always hear, this is the worst generation ever. Okay, this is how I see this. That's our fault because we are responsible to train the next Preach. generation. Get behind that 100%. You know, I say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's our fault. We Everybody complaining them. about millennials, like, who raised them? Exactly. <laughs> we did. We, we yeah. raised these kids, yeah. you know, so it's us. Yeah. And yeah. so because of that mindset, and I remember being that teenager who was misunderstood, who was uh-huh. had the attitude, but it really wasn't attitude, it was pain. Uh-huh. And people could never recognize that. I wanted to speak for them. So I wrote a fictional book this time. My first book was more of a little tell-all, ha-ha yeah. type book. Uh-huh. This book here was um, completely fictional. Um, and I wrote it based off two perspectives. A perspective of a young girl named Manny. And this was a young girl who had a mom but had a stepfather. Right. Then the other young girl was Tasha who had a mom and dad, but they divorced. And I wanted to describe the pain that kids go through when their parents is going through something. Right. And how parents get so caught up in our own world, and I'm guilty of it, that we miss what it's doing to them. Okay. Right. And so I did, So I wrote the fictional book, and it's a lot of nuggets in it, and it was just a little graphic. Yeah. And here was the thing about this. That's why I love also living in the secular world. Let me, let me elaborate what I mean by that. 
So I wanted to be under a Christian publishing company. Mm -hmm. However, I wanted my book to describe and talk about sex, drugs, things of that nature. Not graphic. Of real, course, but, but real life, real life. But real life stuff, because yeah. the reality is there's 17 roses having sex. Of course. Right. They're drinking. Of course. To say everybody's in the house praying, that's a lie. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> right. I didn't want to write that. Yeah. So I wrote it and I submitted it to a Christian publishing company and they were like, no, you got to take this out, this out, this out. Right. And I almost thought about it. But I was like, no, yeah, because that's not the purpose. Right. So I ended up submitting it somewhere else and it got accepted and I got um the right to write whatever I wanted. So I actually signed to a secular publishing company okay. so that I can write as rapid, you know, yeah, as yeah, vivid yeah. as I want. Absolutely. So in the story, basically, I describe the pain and the hurt, heartache that teenagers go through. And I described how we miss it. And I described how kids can be raped, mm-hmm. molested, mm-hmm. all type of things that can happen to them. But right. my stories are not just stories of all this wrong that happens. There's still hope. Yeah, There's sure. always a hope up in the story, and both of the kids get delivered. But it's just basically that. Okay. It's fictional stories that describes what is really going on yeah. in this youth and what we can do to yeah. help them. Right. And so in my stories, my whole point of telling these stories is try to get people to understand what teenagers are going through. Mm-hmm. And though you say it's fictional, I mean, it was inspired by some real-life events, yes. whether it was the research from other people you talk to or your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it real. Right. So that, that's incredible. So we noticed kind of a theme, though, with your endeavors. Like, you always want to reach out to young people. Yes. And it's because of the experiences that you had as a young person. Exactly. And, you know, when we were talking on the phone, you were talking about the bad rap that there'll be a young girl who's promiscuous. Right. Maybe known as somebody who's sleeping around. Right. and. Everybody considers her a thought, right? She's right. a hoe. You're one of those people who says, okay, wait a minute. Let's let's peel back under the surface why? and see what's really going on. Exactly. Here. What's yeah. the why? Right. Exactly. And that's like how what my book does. Like the character Manny. What's she's the why? I love that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love that. It is. Because like Manny, she's a she's a fictional character. She's she's a thought. Right. Okay. But why? Why is this girl acting out like this? A mm-hmm. young girl do not just wake up. She becomes, she's daddy's little girl, yeah. 10 and 9, and then she turned 12, and all of a sudden, oh, I want to be a thought. Yeah. No. Something triggered that. Yeah, right. And so we have to take out the time to find out what that is instead of judging them and glorifying them. And most of the time, teenagers do not talk to adults because we forget what it was like to be a teenager. Right. And we'll sit there, and we'll condemn them, mm. and we'll put them down. But don't you remember, like, 10 years ago, that yeah. was you? Yeah. You know? And so they need that outlet. So the book... To me, gave them that outlet, right. and and I remember that when I wrote it specifically, it was targeting teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I got more reaction from parents. Parents was like, "Oh my God, that was wrong with my daughter." Wow. I remember, I remember this one to this day because she posted it, and I was so proud of it. She had gotten married, mm-hmm. and she once she read my book and she saw the way Manny was acting, she said that was her daughter. And she said, I did not know this whole time. She just wanted a relationship with my husband. Yeah. So they started building their relationship. Wow. Yeah. This yeah. whole time she she felt like an outsider to their family. Yeah. yeah. And it took a fictional book for a parent to see that. That's, That's an incredible yeah. feeling when you're able to put your art out and it actually affects and touches somebody else. Yes. And that is what I wanted to get to. So. I forgot to mention, the name of this book is Only 16. Right. That's the first one, right? And this is the story from the viewpoint of this young lady, Manny. And Tasha. And Tasha. Mm-hmm. And the pain that they're going through. What's very telling 
is that you wrote it for young people and adults read it and it hit home for them. Yes. And they realized maybe some of the mistakes they were making in their own parenting. When you can put something out there that you see is affecting change, that's got to be a great feeling. You probably could not wait to write the next one. Yes. Like you, was, <laughs> you, was, you was ready to get. And that's. You know, we can relate to that. When somebody reaches out to us about the podcast right. and tells us, man, I cried and laughed in the same episode. Like, you just get so ready. Feeling. Yeah, yes, you get so ready. It really is. Because you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose at exactly. that point. Exactly. And so that is that is a beautiful thing about it. So let me, let me ask you a question just out of pure curiosity, just because I don't know anything about it. How long does it take you from start to finish to complete a book? When I'm in my zone, uh-huh. a week, maybe two. A week? Maybe two. Wow, that's incredible. It's a gift. It's, it's nothing wow. but a gift. And Because like if I'm, I can't, I write from inspiration. I'm not a person that'll sit down and, you know, like the way they teach you in school to write is write your outline, yeah. write your chapters. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Okay. I don't sit even down attempt, and start. I don't even <laughs> attempt to do that. Yeah. Sometimes the ending of the book will come to me first. And okay. I'll write the ending. And then I'll write the story to meet the ending. Okay. Like, okay. So that's how it happens. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about Life After 16, which is the sequel to Only 16. And what was your goal once you realized you would hit your target audience or maybe an audience that wasn't your target Mm -hmm. but became your target audience? What was the goal for the next book, Life After 16? Okay, Life After 16, I wanted, um, once I realized I really grabbed the attention of parents, Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I still wanted to reach the youth, but I wanted more of the attention of the parents. And my reasoning was because at the end of the day, let's say you are unique, you you guys are talking to a young man Uh and he's dealing with issues Mm -hmm. and you're giving him everything that he needs. But then when he go back home, he's still dealing with them issues. Right. So it it kind of, it works, but it doesn't. So the home need to be fixed. So I figured if I can give the book, if I target more of the parents, then they will be able to see what their kids are going through. Because at the end of the day, they are the ones that got to help their kids. Of course. We, right. We're not really their role models, yeah. even though sometimes we are. But the role model is the parent. Right. That's the example. Yeah. So I wanted to write something more adultish, but I still wanted to be able to reach the youth. And then the topic I wanted to talk about a little bit more was more of relationships and mm-hmm. unhealthy relationships, mm-hmm. meaning men and women. Mm-hmm. So I wanted the kids' characters to be a little older because I didn't want to glorify sex in youth, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. of course. Right. I didn't want to do that. Of course. And I know it happens, but that don't mean we have to glorify it. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I wrote Life After 16 was them growing up. And it was the same set of characters because I had different characters throughout the book. Mm-hmm. But it was a different set in this book. And it was basically um, Judy, who was a Christian young girl, and Terrell. And Terrell was like, bad boy. Okay. Complete bad boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a reason. He's not a bad boy for nothing. A young man do not grow up, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that men do not grow up disrespecting women for nothing. Right. There's something behind that. Either they've been taught, either they've seen it. Yeah. Something has yeah. happened. Because mm-hmm. you can take another young man who is raised to respect a woman, to honor a woman, he'll do it. Yeah. So right. what's the difference with a man that doesn't? So I wrote that book from his perspective. Okay. His perspective so people can understand why this young man was running through these girls. Yeah. Why this young man was calling girls out their name. Yeah. You say, right. oh, 
I want to make sure. Can I say yes. That? yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. make sure. <laughs> we do, look, we toned it down for you in here. Okay, okay, okay. okay <laughs> I told okay, you, okay. like, we don't come in here acting like Richard Pryor or nothing, but okay, we okay. just let it loose. Okay, so, just yeah, make you're sure. good. You're yeah. good. Well, yeah, you know, so, like, if a man, why do he view women as hoes? Mm-hmm. Right. I told why. I told why. And in the book, it was his mom. Really? The yeah. things she was doing. Right. And she had wow. no clue what she was doing to her son. Wow. Watching his mom be with different men and yeah. stuff. She had no clue. Mm-hmm. And she justified her behavior with what we adults do. I'm grown. Right. And I realize that just because you're grown doesn't mean that you should just do whatever you want to do without concern of what that may do to your of child. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Your children are watching. Mm-hmm. They're watching everything. They're yeah. watching. So she was destroying her son and had no clue. Wow. But it's, it's 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 in there. It's in there. Yeah. It's in there. So probably some people who read that, and that was a hard truth for them to swallow, like, mm-hmm. Once again, just like in the first book, like, damn, that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's And that, that that's a difficult thing to do. But once again, that's the purpose of your art is to reach down and grab people and maybe shake them up a little bit. Yes. And not and not judgmental. Not, yeah, not at all. Absolutely. Because I could never judge a woman or a person. Uh-huh. My story too graphic to judge yeah. anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. So, no, I have no place to. That's why I write, because I want them to understand there's some person that I understand. So I'm not exactly. judging yeah. you, but just because I understand doesn't mean we don't need to change it. Yeah, right. Of course. You know, we need we need to deal with it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot, I believe society does a lot, except for it's getting better because mental health has became on the forefront. Uh-huh. We're taught to just smother it. Yeah. No, deal with it because yeah. eventually yeah. it's going to come up. And so that's why I write in a fictional voice. That way it's not condemning you know, right. I make it maybe more elaborate than what will really happen right. so that I don't want, ever want a person to feel judged yeah, or condemned because right. I'm not. Mm. I just want us to think. Right. Okay, maybe if it's, maybe I'm the reason. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I just need to pay them some more attention. Yeah. There's a reason behind everything. Absolutely. I just believe that. So. Yeah, and you're coming from a place of understanding. Exactly. I'm not making this up. Like, this is coming from somewhere. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And then in that book also... I talked, um, it's two parts to that book, because every book has two volumes. Okay. okay. One, one story, another story. So in that book, once Terrell grows up, he's dealing with women differently. Okay. However, I wanted to deal with the, as the perspective of women. For some reason, society has made us believe that women are enemies to each other. What I mean by that is mm-hmm. if a man cheats on his wife, then that woman does not feel any type of way that she slept with another man's, I mean, another woman's husband. Mm-hmm. She feel like the better woman. Like, you wasn't doing the right thing. Yeah. The woman that got hurt is blamed. Right. And that's the way society does it. If you watch TV, you watch Maury, when a woman come out, her wife, there's the wife and there's the mistress. The mistress is saying, man, you wasn't doing your job. If yeah. you yeah. wasn't doing what you were supposed to do, <laughs> yeah. all this other stuff, he wouldn't have been over there. Yeah. Okay, right. that's a lie. So I've, so I've done my research. I've asked men. I've asked them. And I always get the same answer. Why do men do that to women? And they always say the same thing. Because we let them. We yeah. let them. A man would cheat on his wife with a woman because the woman let him. It's not because his wife wasn't good. not because his wife was the scum of the earth. It wasn't that the woman was better because the woman said yes. So we need to shift that mindset of mm-hmm. I'm the better woman because I stole some woman's husband. No, you're not. Yeah. That's not that's not a good thing. Yeah. And so my whole in that book I describe that. I describe how Terrell picks a woman because she has morals, because she has standards. Mm-hmm. And then the real reason why a man will marry a woman in the first place. 
You know? Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, so I, I put that in there and I throw it in a way where nobody's being judged, just an mm-hmm. aha moment, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be that woman that's okay with sleeping with another woman's husband. Yeah. Right. I okay with a man just using me for my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, it's not okay. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't make me the better woman. Yeah. It right. doesn't. And that's what it's so it's like little nuggets like that. Yeah. That's in there, but it's in a fiction. And story. also the the women who are getting cheated on have got to stop blaming yes, the other woman and not holding their now, partner accountable. Come on now, it ain't the other woman's fault either. Yeah. That's a choice. Yeah. That's a choice. And that, that's that's my whole MO when it comes now, like I said, to that book. Because there's always different reasons and revelations in it. Yeah. But also that was my whole MO for women to stop fighting with each other. Uh-huh. Don't fight with another woman. Mm-hmm. What we're not enemies. Because yeah. if we partner together, then men wouldn't be able to do half of the stuff they do. Right. You know? Right. So that's that's fascinating. And so life after sixteen, when the tables turn, is part three of this yeah. three part series. Where does the story go from there? And what did you want to accomplish with that third book? Okay, Life After 16 is the conclusion of the series. And basically, it, it starts, it goes all the way back to Only 16. Only 16, there was a mom in the character, I mean, mom in the book. That mm-hmm. was Tasha's mom. And her name was Shelly. And Shelly got drugged by Tasha's dad. He, he dogged her mm-hmm. bad. But she recovered. Well, now that she has recovered, she's in a position where Tasha's dad now needs her. So what's she gonna do? Mm-hmm. And when that's and so the message behind that book is when the tables turn because it always do. Yeah, right. You always reap what you sow. I right. don't care how long it take. Some people call it karma. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Right. So when mm-hmm. them tables turn and the people that have hurt you the worst and you got the opportunity to hurt them or help them, what you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. And we're all faced with that. At every, some point. I yes. can tell you from experience, I've been faced with that. Every last one of us has. <laughs> what are we going to what do? What are you going to do? Is that the time where you're going to be like, oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you karma. I'm going to beat karma. <laughs> it takes a very strong person not to go there. It sure does. I'm telling you from experience, Keisha. I like, trust me. We got a lot of catching up to do. What I'm gonna tell you? I know. I know. I'm going to tell you from experience. I know. And so in this book, this is a situation where you say that Shelly was abused by her husband mm-hmm. through the course of time. Now the husband who was abusing her needed something from needs her. her. And she and had to make a choice. Needs her with the child he had on her. Okay. Outside of, outside of their relationship. Yeah. It's, okay. it's deep. It's deep. That take a lot of prayer, Keisha, for most women. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I deal with it every day. Yeah. But it's not a sob story. Don't feel sorry for Shelly. Right. Shelly a beast. Yeah. Because one thing is for sure... When you do the right thing consistently, you always come on top. Yeah. Always. I love that. So it's a a lot of nuggets up in there for just to encourage people because we live in a society where you give back. Of course. You know, somebody Mm -hmm. do something to you, you give back. Yeah. Okay. But if you're giving, getting back, now you're sowing those seeds that you're eventually going to have to reap. Mm -hmm. But if you can remain, and I'm not saying it's easy, remain the bigger person, the better person, not better than but better with your choices. Right. You're going to win. Yeah. And she winning. She's right. winning. That's awesome. She's winning. All right. I'm going to get this book, all three of them. It's, it will be right. I'm intrigued now that we've talked about it. So how do we get our hands on these books? Well, you can get them on Amazon and you can order them. They're all available on Amazon. And okay. then I also have them personally. So if you're following me on Facebook, I'm Poet Lady Key Wells. 
Write it down. Write it down. Okay, so I think I, I just, I just is it blank. is it available in ebook as well? Yes. Okay. So yes, it's available it. on Kindle. You can get it on Kindle. Okay. You can get it directly from me. I'll I'll mail it to them, or okay. they can just order it on Amazon. Can they order it all three together in a series, or do they have to order? Well, you can. Can you get it in a bundle? I don't think they sell them in bundles, but yeah, okay. you can order one, two, three. Okay. All and available. so it's only sixteen. Life after 16, and then life after 16, when the tables turn. A little bit, yeah. The second one is life after 16, love, lust, betrayal, and forgiveness. Okay. The third is life after 16, when when the the tables tables turn. turn. Because they're going to turn. Okay. I don't care who you are, they're going to turn. I am very intrigued. I know that the audience probably is intrigued as well. Go check it out, guys. There might be a little bit of painful truth about yourself Mm -hmm. in there. Keisha, I told you. some people might need to hear that, man. Absolutely. Like, Like, for real, that's... And Keisha, when we were talking, when we were show prepping a little bit, one of the things that Chris and I have noticed on social media is a lot of women lamenting, oh, there's no good men out there. That's not true. But then you look and you scroll a little bit and you see the energy they're putting out and you understand a little bit why they're having such a difficult time. Oh, yeah. It would have been really easy for you. You've been married now for eight years. Mm -hmm. And with everything that you've gone through... It would have been really easy for you to be on that same yep. on that same level. Oh, all y'all, y'all ain't shit. Like, mm-hmm. and going through this whole thing, I want you to talk a little bit because we could say it all day long. But we, we're I'm not a woman. Chris isn't a woman. We've never experienced what they're going through. I want you to talk about just a little bit about what you had to do within yourself. Exactly. Before you got you to that. the what you before you got to the point that you are at now. Because that's what it was. It was myself. It had nothing to do with the man. And first let me address that men ain't do to mm-hmm. thing. Right. That is justifiable in that woman's eyes. Because if you have went through pain after pain after pain, then that's pretty much what you see. Yeah. So of and, and I understand that because I That's you speaking there. your truth. Yes. It's just it is what it is. My first twenty some years of my life, I hated men. Yeah. I didn't even realize, but my pain started way before a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's you never know that woman may have an experience with her father. Yeah. With an uncle, with a brother. You right. never know. Yeah. So you can't minimize the fact that in her mind they ain't doo doo. Cause probably the men that's been in her life is. Wasn't do you know? It <laughs> right. still ain't, yeah. you right. know. However, what I believe is in accountability. Mm-hmm. So when I was 27 years old, I sat myself down and I made myself accountable to myself. It wasn't about a man. Certain things I was not doing, not for a man, for me. Mm-hmm. And I rose my standards. And so once I rose my standards, if the man didn't meet my standards, I wasn't giving him the time of day. Right. And that's what has to shift yeah. because there's always going to be men that ain't do to just right. like there are always going to be women that ain't do to yeah. <laughs> Right. So right. then we have to change who we are so we can project a different energy so that we'll get somebody that's on the same level as us. Yeah. Because you can't be giving out doo-doo. Of course. And then expecting to get roses. Yes. Yeah. And you got to, you know, that is completely on par with this message I've been trying to push even for the last several weeks. You got to fall in love with yourself. Facts. Before somebody else is going to fall in love with you. Let me tell you how you. powerful that is. And I believe in that. I mean, my, a lot of my poems, they have messages in that. Mm-hmm. You cannot love somebody if you don't love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you're going to take something that ain't love. Mm-hmm. Because if you love yourself first, you're going to say, no, nah, I ain't going to let you talk to me like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love me too much to yeah. let you disrespect me. Absolutely. I love me too much to let you come sleep up in my bed and you ain't committed to me. Right. So you that's first before anything. Yeah. So before I met my current husband... That's the transformation that went on. I sat down, 
I've held myself accountable. I analyzed everything that I had did, mm-hmm. not what somebody else had did to me, because it doesn't matter what they did. Right. It was what I was doing to myself. Absolutely. And I spent some time to fall in love with myself, fall in love with God, fall in love with me. Mm-hmm. So when I met somebody, I was full of love, so now I can share my love with And you, you were ready. Yeah, that was, was the point. These, these, these women are not ready yet. Mm-mm. And it's okay. We've all been there. Trust me. Facts. It was impossible for my wife. To, I would have never been able to have somebody fall in love with me. If I remained the shell of myself that I was. Come on, you better say that again. Thank you. I believe that. When I was the shell of myself that you knew at that time, I was not ready. And, of course, I was out there looking in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. I was not ready yet. Exactly. And so just like it's important, you say it's impossible to love someone else if you don't love yourself. It is impossible for that person to love you if you don't love yourself. Because it drains them. Because everything they give you is never going to be enough to fulfill that void. Yeah. And eventually people get tired because they're not, we are existed to vibe off each other, yeah. not fulfill each other. Yeah, That's right. not our, and so when you put a mandate on somebody to fulfill something for you, mm-hmm. that puts too much pressure on that person yeah. and that can break them. And that's why people will leave you. Right. Like it, it's a word that they say, it costs too much to love you. Right. And that's true. When you don't love yourself, it costs another person too much to love you because now you're taking from them and you're mm-hmm. taking from them. And as they're giving to you, you're rejecting them and you're hurting them. And yeah. there's some women and men where they have a good person and this person is being good to them, but they don't love themselves. So and they're rejecting enough. everything that they're doing to mm-hmm. them. They'll be saying something nice to them and they'll take it the wrong way. Right. And, and then as soon as they, yeah, and as soon as that person leaves, They've yet to be accountable and self-aware, so they're going to blame it. Oh, you, that person yep. wasn't shit. And that right? ain't true. It's not true. That's not true. That's why I always preach, love yourself, be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Be honest about what you did in those situations. Maybe you felt like when that person left, you did everything right. But if you take a real assessment. That was a lot that you did yeah. wrong. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's my, never just one person. Never. I don't care who it is. It always takes two, two to make a relationship work, and it takes two to make a relationship break. Okay. That's the way they go. Right. And even with, that's why I like with my first book, that's what I did. Me and my ex-husband was married for almost eight years. We have children together. We were young. Mm-hmm. I don't sit back and say, oh, my God, he did this, this. No, I sat down to say, what did I do to mm-hmm. him? Right. Because I wanted to be This is the again. discussion you had with your current husband. My current husband? No, no, no. Did my, you talk about that with him? Oh, yes. When doing our dating phase. Yes. We, we laid it all out. I tell people all yes. the time, if somebody is talking to you about their previous relationship, and everything they're saying is what the other person mm-hmm. did wrong. They're lying to you. They're lying. There's always two sides to every story. They're lying to you. They're always. And that's what, what me and my husband, my my current husband, our first conversation was about that. Get it out I there. I said, I sat down and figured out what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because he was like, so what was wrong with you? I was like, man, I was thirsty. You know, he started <laughs> laughing. You know, just yeah. be honest. You know, I'm Yeah, I'm really get it about, out there. That's what thirsty. I'm talking about. I wanted some love. I, yeah. just, you know, I was seeking attention. Uh-huh. I was, so I love being complimented and all yeah. that, all that mm-hmm. extra stuff. Right. You can't be like that if you're going to be with somebody. Yeah. So I had to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Once I took care of me and got me right, my mind right, my standards, what I wasn't going to take, what I wasn't going to do, it had absolutely nothing to do with my husband. Mm-hmm. It was a me thing. And so when he met me, I matched what he was looking for. He was looking for a woman. One of the things he said, it was so funny. He said he always wanted his woman to handle men way before she met him. He didn't want me to get with him, and now I'm, oh, don't talk to me now. I need to already have that standard with Right. Him. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. And so that's the thing that I believe, and I could be wrong, but it's my truth. Mm-hmm. So this is my truth. Yes, I speak it. <laughs> that 
whenever when men, real men, because there's some dogs out there, it is what it is. Uh-huh. But when real men are looking for a woman, they have in their mind what they already want. Absolutely. And so when you stroll on Facebook and you be like, oh, she's pretty. Okay, she's talking good. But then she's saying, man, I'm horny. You lost him. Skip. Yeah. Right then. You lost yeah. him. That's all yeah. he see. Now he see. He forgot the fact that you're educated. He don't care that you own your own home. Mm-hmm. All he see, you're horny. Right. Because he don't want his wife to be putting it on blast that Thank she's you. horny. Yeah. Amen. You know? Yeah. And so, Amen. It and is that, what it man, is. Man, I'm so glad that you're here to speak this because coming from you, it's going to hit on a totally different level. Yeah, because I'm not we judging them. Right. And we could, mm-hmm. first of all, this, is, this applies to men and women. Mm-hmm. But if we address women on this matter, it's going to fall on deaf ears nine <laughs> yeah. times out of ten. Yeah. You know, even though what we, we might be saying the exact same thing in you, but you're a woman who's been through it. Yeah, I've You've tried experienced it. it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is what you did not do also was allow your negative experiences to make you a cynic. You fell in love with yourself and then you became open to the possibility of loving somebody again because you wasn't worried about getting hurt. Because you knew even if you got hurt again, you was good. You better say you. that again. You better say it even again. If you, it was not going to hurt you the same way it did last not time before you loved yourself. Not at all. You was at a point where if you went out there and you put yourself out on that limb and it didn't work out, you knew you were still going to be straight. Because the way I believed, and I still believe today, and my husband is proof of it, we have a, that's my best friend. That's mm-hmm. my boo. That's yeah. my baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but he, um, I believe to this day, I believe you get what you give out. Absolutely. So I firmly believed that because I was giving out the energy and the seeds of integrity, standards, loyalty, yeah. that's what I was going to get. Of course. And I make, even to this day, eight years later, I haven't changed from that standard. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not doing hitting things. I'm not saying things that I ain't got no business to people. Because if you give that out, that's what you're going to get. Yeah. So you can't be a person and I'm not talking about just a woman, a man or a woman that's doing these little side conversations, but mm-hmm. then expect somebody to be faithful to you. Right. Yeah. That's not how that works. Yeah. Amen. And I don't know why we live in that that false reality. It does not work like that. Mm-hmm. You cannot be a person who is hurting others and then expect the person that you fall in love with to love you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It don't work like that. But that goes back to self-love. Because if you love you, you ain't going to want to hurt nobody else. Absolutely. Your heart going to be compassionate. Right. You're going to think twice. Things that I've always said, like I live myself by a principle with my husband is, I never do nothing that I couldn't honestly tell him I could do. That mm-hmm. I did it. That's, that's the easiest way to do it. 100. Could I tell him, if I did something, would I be comfortable saying this to him? Baby, I did this to you. 100. Would I be comfortable bringing that kind of pain to his life? No. So don't do it. Right. But that's because I love me. Right. And I'm not going to hurt me because hurting him is hurting me. So. She's dropping wisdom on us, man. Man, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm just, imagine imagine, imagine making a more. double cheeseburger with that in your right hand. <laughs> yeah, we just had some rap sessions. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a beautiful thing. And so we can already see how fluid and articulate you are with your words. So it should be no surprise that one of your passions is putting those words into art form in the form of poetry and motivational speaking. So I want to talk a little bit more about dynamic lyrics. When you got into it, what was the main motivation? How did it switch from doing music to poetry to motivational speaking? Dynamic lyrics, when it came down to the poetry aspect, started in church. I never forget. My um, pastor, it was her birthday, and I was broke. Mm -hmm. And so everybody, you know, you give to the woman of God on on their birthday. So I didn't have any money, so I said... Maybe I can give her some words. So I wrote this beautiful poem about her, and I gave them to her, and they was like, no, you got to say it. So I said it, and it just 
towed the church up. Yeah. Wow. Know? Yeah, it towed the church up. And so <laughs> it started from there. So I just continued. People just asked me, like, do poems at their weddings, like little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, one day I heard of this poet named Seven. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I heard of this poet named Seven, and I started, like, following him and listening to him. And I finally went out to see him spit. Yo, we call him poetry. Right, bear. right. And it ended up being an open mic. So I went on and did it, but I did it with a paper. You know, right, I was right. nervous. My yeah, first yeah, time, yeah, of course, of course. And so, like, and so I watched him, and I saw how he used spoken word to help people. Yes. And I did it only in the church. So I said, okay, let me step out. So I started remembering my poems, and I started stepping out doing open mics, and okay. it was, and I love it. I'm not even going to deny it. I love um, spoken word outside the church way more than I do inside the church. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because it's like with this podcast, there's no censor. Yeah. Right. So you can say yeah. what you want to say right. without being concerned that somebody, if you get offended, oh, well, right. I'm an artist and <laughs> yes. we are sensitive about our, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that arena. Yeah. And so, so eventually I was able to be a part of this show called the Queens of the Mic. Okay. And, it was my first debut at a theater, and it was wonderful, and I loved it. And ever since then, I've been doing shows. And I'll yeah. do a show and then get another one and get another one. Like, I'm booked all the way up to May as of right now. Wow. So I'm, I'm excited Yeah, I, I've it. seen you do your thing, and it was no surprise to me. And w- when we get a chance, I know you have a few videos on YouTube, right? Well, I need to do YouTube. I got them on Facebook. You have them on Facebook. I'm going to do a YouTube channel, though. Everybody okay. Everybody keep telling me to do I'm that. A, I'm a, we're, what we're going to do, once we put this episode out, we'll throw up a link. To your videos, because I want people to see. Now, I'm, like I said, I'm hoping you're gonna give us a little taste. I would. Have you ever been surprised at the fact that, like, you even remembered what you just said, or like, mm-hmm. I when I watch you, I can see like it's almost. And I, I hate to get like spiritual, but it's like you're just an instrument at that point, right? And somebody is playing through you. Facts. And when I see it, dude, it's just it kind of gives me chills a little bit. And you know me, like I'm nowhere near. As heavy as a religious person as I used to be. Me neither. But, I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. But there's this spiritual aspect to it. When you see somebody performing their art and the words are coming out so flawlessly and beautifully, man. I really want to. I'm glad you're going to share with us. And I, I definitely want to put people on to what you're doing. You got a show coming up uh, later this month, right? Got two. Two of them. Mm-hmm. One on the 20th and one on the 28th. And I have tickets for them or whatever. But yeah. Uh-huh. But so. Um, How do what, people get tickets? Huh? How do oh, people get tickets? Either through Cash App or they can contact or you. Mm-hmm. Okay, either, we'll either throw up a link for that too. Yes. But the first thing I want to do is give people a little bit of a taste of what they're going to run into when they come see Poet Lady Key. Poet Lady Key. Let me let me tell you why is that? It's, <laughs> okay. It's, it's funny. To me, it is. Well, yeah. um, I like to be a lady. Uh-huh. So whenever I do my shows, I dress up like yes. you know, a little princess girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And so I do. My, I want. Be presented as a lady. Mm-hmm. I get this How? like Erica Badu vibe. Yes, you better say that. <laughs> yes, Lauren Hill. Those are yes, my, yes, whew, yes. Those are my mentors. They don't even know it yet. Y'all my yes. mentors. <laughs> yes, but um, but I want I want to be presented as a lady because at the end of the day, I'm a wife. Yeah. I'm a mother, yes, so ma'am. I have to represent my family. Mm-hmm. I will Absolutely. never ever bring shame to my husband's name or my children's name. Yeah. So I'm a lady. However, when I open my mouth, I'm a beast. <laughs> so, yeah, buddy. That's, that's I, the love that. I love that. I love that. All right. So, you want to break us off a little piece, a little taste of what Poet Lady Key has got in sure. store? Okay. See now, you do. said you don't need no music or nothing mm-hmm. behind this, right? Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to give you all the attention. I'm going to mute our mics real quick. All right. This is Poet Lady Key with a poem called Who Am I?
Take it away. All right. This poem is dedicated, basically, it was during the time when I found myself. As I mentioned in the podcast, I had to fall in love with me before I could fall in love with someone else. So to find yourself and to love yourself, you must know yourself. So that's what this poem is about. Who am I? I am me. Dynamic lyricist, poetic floritist, anointed psalmist, deliverer of prophecy. Who am I? I am me. Keisha Wells. I do because of whom and whose I am, not I am based off what I do. I am a businesswoman. When I step on the scene, I grab the attentions of owner CEOs, even though they may come from a higher class than me. I am fully aware, but I choose not to be bound by my history. By the grace of God, I'm able to articulate with them skillfully. That's why I refuse to allow the highest position to intimidate me. Who am I? I am me. I am not defined by the sickness of my skin, my slim waist, my fat behind, my good hair. Man, Google that chick. You can find her type anywhere. Now, to the immature ear, I may appear to sound cocky. Nah, boo. It's just I've grown to realize that my gifts, my talents, my strive to be a strong, independent black woman makes me a threat to society. A threat because I'm coming up in the mindset of meteorocracy. That as women, we settle from where we come from. If you think about it, ladies, that would actually make us dumb. Because African-American women paid the price with their lives so that we can overcome. Overcome the stigma that being a black woman automatically makes us beneath. That as women, we only get our worth based off how well we're able to handle the ding-a-ling in between the sheets. That as black women, we do not know how to raise our children. That as black women, we remain illiterate. That as women, we remain to work for instead of striving to become the owners of the corner score. So excuse me because I chose to go against the grain as a proud black woman. My commitment, dedication, and loyalty to my relationship where I would not compromise my integrity nor lower my self-esteem by stepping out sexually on my marriage has absolutely nothing to do with how good that mind is to me. That is the woman I am designed to be. Who am I? I am me. I prefer to be that woman that men wants to know. Not to make me his side piece because he recognized I won't fall for his game. Bro, you got enough females to scream out your name and make your body sing. When my phone rang, there was a purpose. He knows I'm going to stimulate his brain. And if we ever connect together, then we got the power to produce change. Now, don't think for a minute that my pride has told me that I am the only one. Uh Uh-uh. I'm sitting in a room full of women that know how to handle their business and get the job done. But at this moment, I feel led to degree who am I? I am me. So it never get confused. I do because of whom and whose I am. Not I am based off what I do. Any other reason will make me a fraud. You, I, all women, we represent God. And if we ever come together and stop hating on each other, we will not be able to be outdone. For there's an assignment on this earth to show the next generation of little girls living examples of Proverbs 31. Who am I? I am me, poet Lady Key. Already. <laughs> <laughs> that Chris, was, okay, Chris, okay. do you see anything written down in front of her? By I, the way, I was about to. I was. I was just about to bring that up. That was incredible. <laughs> that was the, very, very the, good. The, the, very, very good. The, the delivery, the message, the. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. <laughs> Thank that you. That was. That was. Yeah. That was incredible. Very, that, very that impressive. And wow. Off the top of the dome, man. Now, when you're writing, you said it takes you a couple of weeks. For a book. For a book. What about when you're writing poetry? A session. Just, just write it. Yeah. Just I mean, write because it. it's, it's by inspiration. I don't write just mm-hmm. to write, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Something has to trigger. I wish I would have videotaped that, man. <laughs> man, we God. For next real. Time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. Next time. Next time. I that told Keisha that, that we want we want to have her come on again. 
That, that was incredible and very impressive. So I want you to talk about real quick, because we're getting close to time to wrap up. Cool. I think it's been obvious to us that your faith is a big inspiration for everything that you do. Yes. Talk about your faith and how important it is to all of these ventures that you've taken on. Everything that I do is connected to my belief in God and my purpose mm -hmm. and my standard. Everything. And it hasn't always been this where I'm comfortable and I can talk and I'm not religious. I was very religious at first. Mm -hmm. When I first got introduced to salvation or Christianity, mm -hmm. and I know people hate being labeled, and I agree because there's a lot of things that come with labels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. I ain't religious. Right. I've been that. I've been the person that went to church 24-7. I've been the church that been the person that prayed all day and you didn't listen to music. You didn't do this. You didn't mm -hmm. do that. I've lived all the rules of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Literally. Right. I'm talking about I had the full covering, no pants. Yeah. Every, you name it, I did it. No makeup. I did all of that. No drinking, no meats, no, <laughs> you name it. Yeah. I've lived that life. But in living that life, I was still struggling with mental illness. I was still struggling with the trauma of my past. Right. I was still struggling. I'm going to church every day, jumping and shouting, but I'm bound. But I'm sad. Right. But I'm broke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm struggling. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me I'm saved and I can't pay my rent? What's up with that? What's <laughs> wrong? Yeah. That, that, that just wasn't computing. Right. You know, so eventually I walked away. I walked away from the church and I stayed away from the church probably about 10 years, okay. maybe so. Yeah. And in that course, I did everything I wanted to do. Yeah. Without regrets. However, when God has a calling on your life and because he loves us so much, he will chase you. Mm -hmm. So eventually he chased me down and I started going back to the church. Mm -hmm. But this time with a different mindset. Yeah. I didn't want religion. Religion did nothing for me. Yeah. I wanted a relationship. I wanted principles. I wanted to know how to work and live and have heaven on earth. Yes. I wanted, you know what Preach. I'm saying? People I, too worried about heaven in the sky. Man, they don't make that right heaven here, right here. Yeah. You know, I refuse <laughs> to believe that the only way that we can have prosperity and land for our children is to do something wrong. That don't make no sense to me. Mm -hmm. So no, I dug into relationship with God and fall in love with myself and just principles and morals and values for myself. And now I teach them to my children. My children know how to pray. They yeah. can pray for y'all. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they know about credit score too. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like they can. They, yeah. they can speak a scripture. They can do all that. But they will be able to tell you that they need to save their money. Yes. And we make them do that. If we give them $50, they pay their little 5%, 10%, then they got to keep some for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Just just life in general. Yeah. You know, not just going to church, jumping and shopping, but then when you walk out the door, you don't speak to people. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on, man. And, and, and have nothing to show for the life that you're living right now. Like that's, that's garbage. Sometimes, yeah. I don't believe in that. I don't believe. I that don't think that's what God wants for people either. He doesn't. To be so focused on whatever you think your reward is at the end. No, he doesn't. To not live your life here and now. I don't and make the he best of it. It's too many stories in the Bible where people was prosperous for mm -hmm. that to be the case. True. If it was, if God's whole will for us was for us to just, just die and just be sad <laughs> our whole life and mm -hmm. then go to heaven, yeah. then his Bible would have said that. Yeah. That's yeah. not what it says. There's kings, there's queens, there's money, there's legacies, there's land. Yeah. There's so much in there. And I've always tell people, and I still believe it, every principle that they work in the world that works, it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. They just reword it. Yeah. It's there. Even like the seven-year debt release. Like, you know, like after seven years, something that's on your credit, it yeah. can be released. That's in the Bible. Seven. That is completion. That is a lot. That's in the Bible. They got yeah. that from the Bible. Yeah. Like all of this stuff, these principles that work on the earth, it's from God's word, but the church get a bad rep 
because of hypocrites. Mm-hmm. But here's yeah. the problem with that. And I 100% agree on that hypocrites. But we all are hypocrites. Yeah. Yes. Every last one of us. Of <laughs> every last one of us do something contrary every day of our life. Mm-hmm. It may not be the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's something. Yeah. And as long as we sit high and look low, then we'll never be able to come together. And here's my problem with sitting high and look low at people. We're not answering for nobody else. Mm-hmm. When we die, you are answering for yourself. Preach. So we could care less what somebody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I feel like why the church get a bad rep because it comes off as judgmental. And for some, some it is. I was judged at the church while in the church, <laughs> yeah. while serving. You know what I'm talking yes. about? I know you. I know. That's why I'm so, I love yes. your wife. And she helps you. Like, I remember me and Nick used to have yeah. arguments about Christmas, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now when I seen the pictures of him celebrating Christmas, <laughs> I'm like, yes! <laughs> you know, yes! Yeah. Enjoy your family, Nick. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. You yes. know, so I love her. Ooh, yeah, it took, on, it took on a completely different way of life and attitude. Yes! And because God did not have us here not to enjoy our family. I right. don't believe that. Yeah. I refuse to believe that I'm supposed to live my life in pain yes. just to say I'm saved. Yes. That's Absolutely. not what he said. And so I believe the churches get a bad rep. But my encouragement to anybody that's listening that has been burnt, because I, especially at these poetry shows, I hear a lot of people saying, I don't want to hear nothing about God. I don't mm-hmm. hear about God, which is fine. That's your right. However, have your own experience with him. Mm-hmm. Don't do it off of what people yeah. have told you I saw because there's always going to be bad people. Always. Not just in the church, on the job. But of you course. don't stop going to work. Right. <laughs> you, know? Yeah, of course. you know, so don't do it based off that. Do it based off your own relationship. Learn him for yourself. Mm-hmm. Study the word for yourself. Try the principles for yourself. That's the difference. Religion and relationship. Relationship is intimacy, knowing God for yourself and living your journey. And I promise that that is a beautiful journey mm-hmm. because me and my husband, our marriage works so well because we literally work our life off the principles of God. If it's in the word, that's how we work our marriage. Right. And it works. Mm-hmm. Training our children. That's what's wrong with this generation. Train them. Not social media train them. Yes. Us train them. Yeah, of course. Don't be okay with everything that your children do. <laughs> right. We're not their friends. Yeah. We're their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I just feel like for me. I can't speak from nobody else. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. my journey with God has been up and down. There was times when I did not like him. Mm-hmm. There was time when I thought that he did not exist anymore. There was mm-hmm. time when I never, ever wanted to see another scripture a day in my life. But I had to remember something. He gave me this beautiful thing called choice. Yes. So we can't blame God for our choices. Mm-hmm. And once I became accountable to my choices... My life changed. Awesome. It did. Wow. Keisha, we are so grateful that you decided to join us. Anything that she's saying right now, we've probably said, but she just says it so much better. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah. Just she just says voice. it so much better. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. We're so appreciative that, that you came on. I, I told you I've been hype about this episode for Me the past too. two weeks, ready to do this. And I appreciate you coming here, speaking your truth. Sharing your talent and your art with us. I did have one question for you before we leave. There we go. And this is just silly, but publishing time. Yes. When you finish a book, how long does it take to get that book published? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because now I'm no longer signed to a uh, a label. Okay. I own all the rights to my books, so my books are signed under Dynamic Lyrics. So everything okay. is me. So basically, the way it works is if you want to own your own stuff, uh-huh. like independent, then just write your book. 
And then you get in contact with someone that can produce your cover for you. And there's a lot of, there's millions of artists that create Mm -hmm. art, cover art. Uh So you find someone that can do cover art, pay for it, of course. And then you can um, either submit your manuscript to someone or you can self-publish yourself. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's the new thing, man. That's yeah. even making music. Even people with music, are, people are doing everything themselves now because there's no overhead and there's no chance you're getting ripped off nope. on a bad deal. You're just taking care of all of it yourself, man. You can copyright so the, yourself. So the difference is, is somebody else. So when you when you get signed or published, mm-hmm. is that the right terminology? Mm-hmm. They print the books for you. Mm-hmm. They they front the money and they do everything. They do the distribution deal. They do everything. And if you're self published. You have to do all that yourself. Right, which is true. The only challenge is, of course, connections. Uh-huh. But with social media area, it's possible. Oh, yeah, network. absolutely. And then I think in Houston, this market is phenomenal. Is yeah. it? Yes. Is it? Good market. Yeah, because you're doing a show that's downtown, right? Mm-hmm. On Scott Street. So how, what's the scene like? Is, is a lot of people doing what you're doing or something yes. similar? No, it's a, it's a lot of, um, I think in this season, and especially in Houston, artists is where it's at. Yeah, and now's the best time in history mm-hmm. to do something like that, be an entrepreneur, promote yourself because of technology, yep. Facebook. I mean, that's what we do. So that's an amazing thing. Well, let's talk about that. Once again, let's let people know how to get a hold of your content. They can order your books on Amazon? Yes. You can okay. order my books on Amazon. It's under um, the name of the book, but also my name, Lakeisha Lott-Wells. Lot with two Ts. Yes, sir. Lot okay. with two Ts, not Poet Lady Key. And then I also have shirts. And my shirts are Dynamic Woman. It just says, be the force that stimulates change. Then I also have some for the teenagers. And it says, Dynamic Princess. Okay. I am the generation that will stimulate change. Then I also have some for little babies, the little princesses. <laughs> little onesies. Just, yeah, the little babies. Okay. And she says, the little girls, that she is the one that will stimulate change. Just because I want to get the mindset that women, we're powerful. Yes, of So course. we can do some things. And Absolutely. we can start. We don't have to be... My age to do it. They we, don't start we, young. We are the proud father of girls. So, so y'all already know. We are right on with that. <laughs> yes, we are right on with yes, that. Yes, and yes. those so those shirts are available on Amazon also? No, those shirts are available through me. I usually okay. sell them when I go out and do my shows or whatever. Okay. Or if you contact me, I'll ship them to you. But um, I will have a website soon. Yes. That way people can click and yes. buy. Okay. And you, you'll be back on to tell us about that as well. Okay. Yes. So we got your books, your T-shirts. How do they get a hold of tickets to your show? Same concept. You contact me and you either can cash at me and I'll have this ticket for you at the show. It'll okay. be available to you or if I see you. Okay. You get cool. And you tickets. prefer people reach out to you by Facebook, Instagram, because you are at, at Dynamic Lyrics on Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. I don't want to throw your number out on the, you know, this goes all over the world. So. <laughs> right. Facebook, Instagram, or at my email, dynamiclyrics1. Dynamic at yahoo.com. Yahoo. At yahoo.com. Okay, write it down. Ladies and gentlemen, go see what this woman has to offer. You already got a little taste here on the Smells Like Middle Age Spirit podcast. All right, speaking of social media, ladies and gentlemen, the Smells Like Middle Age Spirit podcast is also on social media. To everyone who's been following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, once again, we cannot thank you enough. Everyone who shared, everyone who's given us feedback, continue to do so, please. Let us know what it is you like about the show. If it's something you don't like about the show, let us know about that, too. This is a podcast for the people, by the people. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. I thank hope you God. enjoyed it as much I as we did. did. Yes. And it's been a pleasure. It's not going to be the last time, hopefully. I and uh, I, can't wait, I can't wait to get you together with the fam. They might be out there waiting for us right now. <laughs> Chris, you got anything to add before we get out of here? That's it, brother. All right. Well, thank you guys once again for listening. 
For our guest, Keisha Wells, my name's Nick Stevenson. I'm Chris Clark, and we'll see y'all next time. You've been listening to the Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit Podcast with Nick and Chris. For more show content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.